0: I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in, and welcome to our tribe. Almost every week for now eight years, I've asked a final question that I refer to as a bold prediction. I ask leaders in diverse fields from solar and panel, battery manufacturing, finance, carbon capture, land acquisition, and energy trading, to answer the question of what the future of our industry will look like. In 2023, I modified that bold prediction question to instead reflect as if from the future, to opine on what we got right, if we did, looking in the rear view, hit our climate and decarbonization goals as we expect. I found that this backward looking answer often elicits a more complete and reflection oriented response. But it occurred to us that it's quite possible Many of you just simply don't make it all the way to the end of these often hour-long interviews, so you may have missed these nuggets of wisdom. Since they truly do represent some of the greatest moments of 2023's interviews here on the pod, we decided to reshare these with you as some of our favorite bold prediction moments. Okay, first up, we've got Laura Pagliarulo with SolarEat, a platform helping developers get liquidity from their land lease holdings.
1: What we will need to have gotten right is incorporating battery storage to allow more renewables to come online. So predicting where we need to sort of balance out those those peaks, putting the right incentives in place for battery storage. Um, yeah, I think that that's That's, that's going to be a key piece here. And there's a lot of issues right now that the industry needs to be tackling. So, um, that's, that's my, it's not very long from now. That's seven years. We got seven years. So
0: (laughs) it is, I mean, I I think that the real sort of, um, cultural goal line is 2050, but I say to everyone, 2030, like if we don't turn this ship, um, there's a, there's a, there's a metaphorical iceberg waiting for us. All right. Next in the lineup is Artis Johnson, U.S. President of Solar Panel Manufacturer, Meyer Berger. Well, let's wrap, uh, Artis, with yeah. uh, a final question here to, to leave folks tantalized. Uh, we often call it a bold prediction, but if you look out to, you know, the critical path of getting the decarbonization goals we have through 2030, 2050 uh, resolved, what, uh, if, we, if we look back from there and, had, and we succeeded, what did we get right?
2: What did we unlock? We decided that every country has to participate, not only from a the way that you you live, but but more more myopically, and what more where I'm focused on on solar production and manufacturing. We're we're making our first steps in something that's very new of how we approach the solar industry, at least in the U.S. with the Inflation Reduction Act and the opportunity here. Billions will be invested from the government, but billions and billions and, you know, multipliers of billions will be invested by the community, the businesses out there to help support that, make it happen. If we get it right, we, we, we kind of put down the debate, put down the, the political aisle, uh, move away from that and just recognize that this is best for us for whatever reason. And and. and I can, go to, I can go to D.C. and I can talk on both sides of the aisle for a reason why we need this. And they both shake yeah. their head yes. And it's, it's, it's an opportunity for us to do this now. But more importantly, and I've said a lot there for one quick answer, stability. We have to have stability. Manufacturers, billion-dollar investments in this country won't happen without known stability. So it takes, it takes all of us to think what that needs to do and what needs to happen for that to, to, to occur And we can't do it alone in the U.S. We need colleagues from globally everywhere to be able to get there, but we need stability. Thanks artists for that inspiration.
0: Next, we've got Christy Obiaya, CEO of Heliogen, a publicly traded concentrating solar company that was birthed from Idealab. Well, let's end today as we usually do with a bold prediction. Um, When we look out to the next 15 to 20 years, our goal by 2050 is a decarbonized grid. you know, it often helps to think about achieving those goals by standing at the finish line, looking backwards. If I'm standing with you, uh, shaking hands, cause we've accomplished it. It's 2050. We're mm. proud of the accomplishment that we've gotten to a net zero grid. What did we get right?
1: Ooh, I there's, there's so much you could say there. And <laughs> I think a lot of, you know, I think we hear a lot about policy that's needed and the investment that needed. And I'm going to go with actually education. We got the education right. Because I think it's, um, it's so easy for decision makers and stakeholders to gravitate toward what they're familiar with, the thing that's least new. And we already know that relying solely on the things that are already deployed is not going to be enough to get us to net zero. And so really educating folks in a way that allows them to be aware of all of the tools in the toolbox and all the options in front of them and how to put things on an apples to apples comparison basis. Um, I think that's really something that will be helpful in accelerating our ability to deploy fast. Uh, and I think, you know, speed and scale is exactly the couple of words that I think we, we need there.
0: Hey, if you're looking for a way to maximize the ROI for your next utility project, I would like to point you to SunGrow's new SG4400 modular inverter. This new innovative solution will reduce capital and operating expenses because it arrives already on a skid with a step-up transformer. It's built using four 1100KW modules so that if one of them fails, well, the other three keep powering right on through as the DC and AC protection are completely separate between the modules. You can learn more about this fantastic new product and more at mysuncast.com forward slash sungrow. Following Christy, we've got Robert Picconi, CEO of another Idea Lab creation, the energy storage hardware and software company, Energy Vault. You know, if we looked out to 2030 and we've unlocked this big, hairy, audacious goal of, uh, of achieving a renewable grid penetration of, of 70, 80, 90%. Um, what did we get right? What's in your crystal ball about the, the success that we achieved and what it took to get there?
3: Well, what we must have gotten right to get to that by that timeframe mm-hmm. has to do with an alignment across uh, geopolitical boundaries. So that means it's global. Um, uh, that means it's, um, uh, you know, it crosses borders and that means that some of the largest companies and organizations in the world are um you know making the choices and the priorities um to to achieve a goal which um today people would look at by 2030 to get to that 70-80% renewable penetration is, is something that might be impossible mm-hmm. and and i think most people would say that would be very difficult to achieve yeah w- what keeps me you know encouraged and optimistic and having Relationships with, for example, Bill Gross and Idealab or, or companies and even the people here that are doing amazing innovation and innovations and in technologies that are removing carbon from the, from the air itself. Or we're mm-hmm. creating substances that actually can absorb carbon dioxide and, and things looking at alternate technologies to help us achieve the goal um, that even outside of the renewable penetration, it's about uh, how do we reduce the heating up of the planet? Mm -hmm. overall and we have renewables to do that but there's a lot of other um technologies and ways we're going to achieve that goal just so we can get the planet back to where we were Uh, another way um, to think about that is how do we get the level of co2 emissions back to where they were for example in 1970 yeah you know and can you can you do that and and the answer is yes with if you see some of the advances um in uh in some of the newer technologies Mm that it, it, keeps, uh, it, it keeps me optimistic.
0: Okay, next up, we've got my friend Aaron Halimi, CEO of Community Solar and Clean Infrastructure Developer, Renewable Properties. And also the final episode from 2023, just in case you missed it. If we're looking back from, you know, 2050, and you and I are nearing the end of our careers, uh, and we're happy and proud of the work that we've done, we've unlocked these big, audacious, hairy goals. What did we get right? I'm going to go back to the people because I truly believe that we have the technological solutions today
4: to deploy at scale and to beat this thing. And so if we have the people both within the industry, but also external to the industry, right? So if we had the right pieces of legislation around solving problems with the grid, with the aging infrastructure, with the right pieces of legislation around accelerating the permitting of these facilities, that as we sit here today, we have the right technological solution set to beat this thing.
0: And it goes back to just being able to deploy it at scale and deploy it quickly. You said something earlier that I think is really key to that as well, and that is helping folks identify and understand the transferable skills they bring from all walks of life, And that this industry is more than just uh, boots on roof, bolting steel to the ground. Uh, there are many, many, many different skill sets that we need. And not only do we need to replace the aging infrastructure with flexible resources and a distributed grid, um, not only do we have the technological solutions to win this race, but when we have won, it will be because we were able to marshal the people that help move the society forward. All right, following Aaron, we've got Catherine Hamilton. Founder and chair of thirty eight North Solutions, a public affairs firm that specializes in clean energy and innovation, but you may recognize her as the former co-host of the Energy Gang podcast
5: okay, so I've thought a lot about this, and I, I am in the throes of over the next few years transitioning from doing a lot of blocking and tackling, which I've done for all my career to doing more you know high level senior advising, sitting on boards, jump starting to do much more of now. Um, and as I do that, I'm going to start moving, relocating to the Shenandoah, back to the Shenandoah where I'm originally right. from. And I spent a lot of time out there. We, we love it out there so much. So that will be where right. most of our focus is. And I've spent a lot of time with the people out there because our, our place is always needing somebody to rebuild the road that's washed out during a storm or it's on the top of a mountain. So there's a lot going on. And I've talked to a lot of the people out there who are those people and a lot of people. So my brother lives in Appalachia. A lot of these people don't see themselves as part of the future. If you don't see yourself as part of the future, then you're not for it. But I've noticed talking to the folks out in these rural communities that they're very aware of electric vehicles. They know what they are. And when I say to them, hey, you're looking for that F-150 Lightning, that would be really cool. They're like, no, I want the Mustang. And I know when someone responds to me in that way, it's because we've reached a point where they're not going to vote for the same people necessarily vote for. They won't. They're not voting for climate change. They may be environmental stewards for very different reasons, for reasons that, you know, when deer season comes around, they want the green, The they want the woods to go into, But you know what? They know there's a product there that's going to do a lot more for them and that's going to be better. So I think the electric vehicle industry is just, it's taking off in a way and in a surprising way more than I really, and faster than I ever thought it would.
0: Next up, we've got Stephen Zhu, president of Trina Solar US, the largest importer of record for solar modules to the United States here in 2023.
4: If we too much rely on the incentives, but are not efficient enough to keep on driving the cost down. Now, once the incentive is gone, the market will be sudden death, or at least interrupted. Same philosophy, if we are too much rely on the domestic contents, then we miss the opportunities to diversify our supply chain to reach a lower cost and higher efficiency. You know, so although the whole industry is incentive-inspired or ignited, but it should not rely on that forever. It only help you to kick off, but it doesn't help you to survive long. If you know what I mean. That, uh, you know, it's, it's a good start. You know, it's like 20 years or 30 years ago, the German came up with the feeding turf. But by utilizing that kickoff, we have to do a lot of things to, you know, to reach a higher goal, you know, to bring more advanced technology, to, to train the people to, you know, a, a better way, you know, more efficient, more productive and uh, make your, You know, supply chain more resourceful, more diversified, more secure, and uh, to make sure your cost is keep on getting lower. And uh, like I said, you know, simply by reducing labor's cost or material cost, you cannot lower the cost that much. You have to increase your efficiency. You have to increase your productivities. You have to increase your technology, improve your technology, in order to reach a lower cost. You know, um, so, and, and a lot of, a lot, a lot of things, like I said, will waste it, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, the EPC, in terms of these, you know, um, warehousing, in terms of the logistic, you know, in terms of putting things together, you know, so, so that's the things that I do think people should give the efforts to because, you know, you're not getting the money. It's just simply wasted, And, uh, you know, with the both side efforts, we definitely can be able to, you know, get those rooms back, and uh, you know, so everybody can enjoy it. And uh, you have to be, you know, dynamic dynamically manage the business. Um, you know, the policy is not something that we totally can predict. You know, so so it's the matter of when that happens. What can we do? Hey, friends. I have a proposition for you. Instead of
0: freezing your tail off like I am here in North Carolina, why don't you jump on a plane, come to San Diego, January 17th to 19th, and hang out with us at InterSolar. InterSolar North America and Energy Storage North America. As you're probably aware, one of the premier U.S.-based trade show and conferences focused on solar, energy storage, and EV charging infrastructure. Suncast listeners can get free access to the expo hall by using the code SUNCAST at intersolar.us. That code will also get you 20% off your conference pass. To learn, connect, and conduct business with the most innovative companies in the solar and energy storage business, go to intersolar.us. Use the code SUNCAST. And hey, don't forget to stick around all the way through Friday because yours truly may be on stage at the Solar Games. Come check it out. See you in San Diego. All right, following Stephen, we've got our friends from the other side of the world, Mr. Andy McCarthy, founder and former CEO of RACV Solar, one of the largest solar companies in Australia, formerly Gippsland Solar, and one of the most successful acquisitions, I might add. That's end uh, today with what we call uh, a bold prediction, but I'm going to modify it slightly, given that, uh, you know, you have already seen a market like Australia go through mega or hyper- growth. What do you feel might be the important or most important aspect of a solar business that CEOs here in America could learn from those markets like Australia and Germany that are ahead of us? How would you advise someone listening to, to really focus on how they grow their business over the coming years now in, the, in America with The tailwind of the ira as as we try to drive costs down uh, and adoption up what what might be your part your last piece of parting advice
6: well i think that you know certainly in australia we've paid the price for spending too much time creating demand for solar and we haven't spent anywhere near enough, enough time on the supply side so something i'm very passionate now is creating more pathways working with registered training organisations, getting skills and development, getting into our boys and girls in the schooling system who might identify um, a passion for renewable energy. We need to start building those skills because um, in every state and territory in Australia, we have like some very bold and ambitious targets for renewable energy. But what we don't have is the workforce to get us there. So we need to find uh, more... Uh, dirty boots and uh, and blue collar workforce to help to to deliver these projects. We need to find these rising stars who are um, budding entrepreneurs that could do go and do anything in their business career. We need to show them that renewable energy is the place that you need to focus your energy. We just need to find the next generation of people that are going to change the world and convince them that the way to do that is to get into the renewable energy sector. Because you know, I don't spend a lot of time looking in the rearview mirror uh, at what we've achieved. I'm just so focused on. Uh, what's ahead and what we still need to do. And I think with electrification, uh, EVs, Internet of Things, you know, the next billionaire out there in the world is probably sitting in their garage right now. He or she's trying to find smarter ways to move electrons around the world. And they might not even own any infrastructure like an Airbnb or an Uber. They might just um, be very tech savvy and and create something that's never been done before. And they might be the next uh, billion dollar company. So, Um, you know, opportunity abounds everywhere. It's, it's, it's incredibly exciting time. And, and I've got a longer time left in my career, but I also see people coming through into the industry now. And I think, geez, you've got an amazing journey ahead of you. So just go and sink your teeth into it. Okay.
0: We're getting closer to the end of our roundup of 10. Next is Billy Lee, co-founder and president of Reunion, one of the solar finance sector's true OGs at reunion they're building a marketplace for clean energy tax
4: credits in particular transferable tax credits if we make this market liquid if we enable all the different technologies um that are the ira and other energy policy goals um go out to uh support i think we'll i, I think that'll be a massive success right yeah. and not all the some of the technologies and some of the initiatives will you know, be more successful than others. That's not our goal is to pick winners or losers. It's really to enable whatever energy transition policies that Mm -hmm. we as a country have decided to uh, to focus on. And last
0: but certainly not least, an interview that we did here live in Durham at the offices of Eight Rivers, none other than Damian Beauchamp, the president and chief development officer for Eight Rivers, a local Durham, North Carolina company building disruptive energy technology and recently named to Reuters 2023 Top 100 Global Energy Transition Innovators. Let's end today with what I call bold prediction. And I hope that yours is going to be uh, more all-encompassing than some of the other answers I get from specifically renewable energy-focused leaders. And that is, if we look to 2050, and we're standing there, Damien and I, we're, we're old men, 2050, hopefully we're still alive. And, uh, and by, I, okay, maybe not old. But we're elderly and yeah. we're looking back from 2050. We're shaking hands here at a bar in Durham. We're congratulating ourselves for hitting our net zero targets mm. on, you know, reducing emissions and saving the planet for our children. What did we get right?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, for myself, I hope to have been a part of an organization uh, in Eight Rivers that has caused more CO2 to be captured at that point than any other company on the face of the planet.
0: Mm. Wow. Fantastic. So, and for
2: you, I hope that, that, that you have, have written the equivalent of Dan Jurgen's books on oil and gas for how the solar and wind industry developed. Amazing. And the dynamics and the geopolitical dynamics that caused shifts uh, in, in that industry.
0: Well, I can promise that if in 2050 that happened, it, would, it was because of this moment. Excellent. Well, today's episode was a bit shorter than most of our Thursday profiles. So hopefully you're hearing this because you actually made it all the way through to the entire end of the episode. And I wanna thank you for doing so. I wonder, do you actually listen through to the end and hear these bold predictions? It's almost always the last question I ask. Do they resonate for you the way they often do for me? Would you mind sharing your thoughts on this episode with me and our friends on LinkedIn? I'm always eager to learn what resonates with you. As we head into 2024, what would you like more of? What would you like less of? What is your bold prediction for this year? And who do you think we should be featuring here on Suncast to tell the story? You can find all my contact info right in the description of whatever player you are watching or listening on. So please do reach out and be heard. Nominate a guest, recommend a new question, or just let me know where in the world we should meet up next. If you've been following me, you know that I've been harping on the fact that we just aren't telling a good enough story in the industry writ large. And I think that's paramount to our success as an industry. So in the Christmas holidays, we launched Valence, content that connects. It's a LinkedIn newsletter. We're now 3,000 of you are following along every week as I dig in to the details behind the stories that move our industry forward. I would encourage you please to subscribe to the Valence newsletter. You can find that by going to my LinkedIn account. It's easy enough to find. It's one of the featured posts. I would invite you as well to tune in next week as we're going to feature a brand new segment that is from our partnership with Solar Academy called Solar Conversations. We'll kick that off with a conversation from the folks at Chent Power talking about their innovative new commercial and industrial technology on Tuesday. And then on Thursday, we've got insights from one of the most seasoned deal makers that I know in the industry, Mr. Rob Sternthal, as he explains what's working and what's not with the Inflation Reduction Act. If you're eager to learn more about Suncast, find past episodes or see how you can work together with us, you'll find more about that at mysuncast.com, along with all the back episodes. And while you're there, please take five minutes to fill out our listener survey. It makes all the difference and it directly impacts the future scope of the podcast. Truly does mean the world to us. As always, thanks to our sponsors for helping make sure that this content is free to you. You Learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. Which is also where you can learn how to partner with us to reach thousands of Solar Warriors and clean Tech champions twice a week, just like they do. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.